And so whether you've been here for more than 10 years or you're brand new like me, So a few things about me, number one, married and have two amazing kids. I usually like to lead that way just because uh, my life is so much better because I'm married and I, and I have an awesome wife that also feels called in the ministry and, um, and we have two really, really cool kids. Uh, second thing is that I am not a Michigander from the beginning. I am a transplant from Clearwater, Florida. Most people look at me and say, you moved from Clearwater, Florida? Wow, the Lord, you know. And so I'm just saying, we moved to Clearwater, from Clearwater, Florida to Holland, Michigan to be a part of a really, really special church. Uh, a church that has a, a lead pastor who's Welsh, who's married to a German, who has adopted two Haitian children, and it's very international. And I met him seven years ago, and he said, Travis, um, this church is a church that seats 3,000 people in a worship service. And this church is the largest church in Holland, Michigan. And he said, Travis, I believe that God does not measure a church by how many people it seeks, but by how many people it sends. And I looked at him, I'm like, I've only been a part of large churches, and what you're saying is so foreign. Like, that does not make sense. It doesn't even compete, compete in my mind that you as a mega church pastor would want to be more focused on sending people. I want to be a part of that, that mission, that vision. And so my wife and I, we moved from Clearwater, Florida up to Holland, Michigan, and, uh, and, and joined the, the central team to help start a multi-church movement, a family of churches around the world. And so today we have 16 churches led by local indigenous leaders. Each church has its own name, has its own team, has its own brand, has its own story, is reaching its own unique people in different places from, from San Diego, California, all the way up the Pacific Northwest, up in the Portland area, um, even across the, across the water. We have a location in, in Peru. We have a location in Cambodia. We have a location. I was actually going to be in Cambodia, and, I'm, and, and uh, our, our global pastor is there instead, which is really cool. So a, pa a pastor in Cambodia, a pastor in Indonesia, uh, in Kiev, Ukraine. It's amazing that during the season, uh, it's been very heartbreaking. I was there uh, just a, about a month before everything broke out. And... Um, being able to have a pastor who's from Kiev leading a church, speaking in Ukrainian, and reaching over a thousand people on a weekend and seeing lives transformed, I get to be a part of something really special. And so my hope for our time together today is that this, just what I'm sharing briefly, is, is just a, a testimony of God's faithfulness and what God can do through people who are obedient and say yes. And so that's kind of the, the focus even for our conversation today. My hope today and over the time we're together, is that what I share and what I teach and what we look at in God's word is going to be refreshing. And I ask the question, how many of you all have been here for a while? You, you know, over most of the room, more than 10 years, which means that most of you have opened your Bible probably in the last month. Most, most of you have opened your Bible in the last week. And so the, the gift of this time is my hope it will be a refresher, but it will also be a time that you can take what Jesus said and what Jesus did, and where he went, and how he went, and see how we can take some of these principles and put them on repeat in our lives to create some rhythms. My hope, again, is that you walk out and you're like, yeah, I've already heard that. I've heard that story, but that's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. And I feel like 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday, we just need some good reminders. We need some good reminders, right? 
Mondays can easily be moan days, but we're going to make it a day of victory. It's Victory Monday because of the fact of what Jesus has done in our lives. And so, again, super grateful for the, I've got a few more questions. Number one, how many of y'all are married in the room? Married in the room? Married in the room. Awesome. How many of y'all currently serve, volunteer, lead, are a part of a, of a local church? How many of y'all? Awesome. How many of you guys are on staff at a church? Anybody on staff at a church? Okay, that's awesome as well. It's helpful, again, to know who's in the room so I know exactly how to take the week together. How many of you have kids that are under the age of 10? Under the age of 10. How many of you all have kids under the age of 2? Okay, I'm with you. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old here on this trip. Wow, it's, it's special. I love it. He woke up a few times last night. I'm preaching to myself this morning. How many of y'all have a Bible with you this morning? A Bible? Do you guys have a Bible this morning? Whether it's a, a uh, hard copy, hard, hardcover Bible, a hard copy Bible, or you have a glowing Bible, one of these digital Bibles. Digging Bible, I'm right there with y'all. This is usually what I was my usual go-to. So if you have a hard copy Bible or a glowing Bible, that's important for our time together. And this is the reason. It's because at the end of the day, we're going to be together this week, and then I'm going to be gone. If you're ever in Holland, Michigan, come check us out and say, hey. But my hope is that you're able to take what we've learned over the past week and you can apply it to your life for the rest of the year. That's, that's kind of the goal. Last thing is this, that I, um, I am dyslexic. It's a real thing. I was actually diagnosed with dyslexia when I was in elementary school. And um, it's, it's a fascinating story. I don't have time to get into it today. But um, dyslexic and ADDDD. And so all of those. I got extra Ds attached. It's a trouble. It's a struggle. And, and, and I say that just because when I was in elementary school, I was diagnosed with this, and I had to take a lot of work to be able to learn how to read, learn how to sound out words, learn how to stay focused and have attention. And so if you're here today and you're like, my attention span is short, you're in a good room because mine is as well. And so I want to make sure that we get through great content with clarity. And when it's done, it's going to be done, and we're going to pray together. Does that sound good? So that's my, that's my hope for today. My hope for today is that we're going to open God's word. We're going to look at what God has to say. We're going to study the life of Jesus this whole week of what Jesus did, what he said, and where he went, and how he went repeatedly in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we are going to do that. But before that, I do want to pray. I want to pray, and then we're just going to jump straight into session one of On Repeat together. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for all these special people, God. Thank you that we're able to be a part of a Christian camp. God, that we're able to come to a place and open up your word in freedom. Lord, we're able to worship you in freedom. We don't have to look over our shoulders and wondering if, if anything's going to happen to us. God, we can come to a safe place, your place, with other people who love you, and spend a week of just refreshment, a week of encouragement, a week of maybe just refining some of the things that we need to refine in our lives spend a little extra time with you and with our family. And God, I just pray that that will be our heartbeat for this week ahead. Thank you, God, that today's Monday. Lord, thank you that you woke us up. Lord, we do count that as a gift. We thank you that you put a, a heartbeat in us this morning. Lord, we could actually get out of bed and, and take a couple of steps. God, we're thankful for that today. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. And Lord, thank you for your gift of love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. All right, so the whole focus for our time together today is going to be studying what Jesus said when he uses the words truly, truly. Look at the person next to you and say truly, 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 truly. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time looking in God's word at some of the truly statements 
But I do think it's important for us to kind of tee up this message in this series of on repeat. I believe that things get repeated, turn into like a rhythm, right? Think about just for a moment, think about the things that you've said just in the past 24 hours repeatedly. As a dad of young kids, I've, I've said the same thing, don't touch, no, don't touch, that's hot. Brush your teeth, brush your teeth. Weston, hold my hand, hold my hand. Harper, stop yelling, Harper, stop yelling. I could go on and on about the things that I've said or the things that have come out of my mouth repeatedly. Think about that for a moment. What are the things that you've said on repeat just in the past 24 hours? The things that we say on repeat are, are actually things that we either want to share with someone so that they apply it to their life and, like, hold on to it. Or it's something that we're saying out loud verbally just so that we can kind of create that, that, that rhythm in our life. Rhythms are important. Rhythms are important. I don't know about you, but COVID threw off a lot of rhythms. We, we, we heard it yes, last night from the speaker, COVID, and the, the whole season that, we, that we've been in as a country. It hasn't been easy. It's been pretty tricky. And what we've learned is that as believers, we are now working through establishing new rhythms, maybe resurrecting some old rhythms, and reshaping some of the things that, value, that we value most in life. And so over the past couple months, I've been processing through that, and it hit me because I was spending time with uh, Pastor Peter, virtually. Pastor Peter is our pastor from Kiev, Ukraine, going through just crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, just the things that he's sharing and the things that he's sending me, the posts that he's, that he's showing. And I, and I was like, Pastor Peter, how are, is, what are some of the rhythms that you're establishing now that there's, you know, that there's a lot, of, a lot of trauma, a lot of things? And he said, just the things that Jesus did and said. I'm like, okay, that's where I need to go. Right? We think we, we think we know what's, what's best. Let's open up God's word and, and see what's best. And so rhythms, rhythms. We're going to be talking about rhythms, rhythms, rhythm, rhythms. We, we repeat statements because we either want someone to hear what we're saying. We repeat statements because what we said or what we are saying, we want to, we want to amplify that. It's important. It's viral. It's, it's, it's vital. Or it's the truth. Like this is the truth. Like when I tell Harper, Harper, if you touch the hot stove, it will burn you. I promise. If you stick your finger in a light socket, guaranteed, it's get it's gonna it's gonna shock you. It's like it's absolute truth. It's guaranteed. And so, looking at what Jesus said and did on repeat allows us to peer into his priorities of what he thinks is most important in the twenty-four hour days. If you are taking notes, I think this is a good statement to write down. This is it: that what Jesus prioritizes, true believers should also prioritize. Think about the people that Jesus called. Just think about the fishermen. We're going to talk, I'll talk a lot about his disciples over the past, over the next five days. But just think about the fishermen. They had to prioritize a calling and a statement, let go of their nets and follow Jesus. So think about just even some of the people that you might even know in your personal life of the things that they had to prioritize in order to follow Jesus. And so we believe this, that when we think about our priorities in life, we must recognize that they must line up with what God prioritizes. But unfortunately, they just kind of don't sometimes. I don't know about you, but just that's the truth for me. That's the truth this morning, even waking up. Like, the things that God prioritizes for me, do I absolutely prioritize them as well? Is that evident in my life? If I was an open book, would I want my kids to read me and apply everything that I do? That's a good test. It's a good test. And so this morning, whether you are an adult in the room, young adult in the room, 
a legacy older adult in the room, and we look back over our years of being a believer, being a Christ follower, how have we seen our relationship with God strengthen? How have we seen the things that maybe the world says to repeat, we've pushed them away so we could put God on repeat in our lives. And so what I want to do is I I really do want to um, look at some of the truly statements. And I believe that some of these truly statements can help us. There's over 70 truly statements in the Bible. And so if you're here, you're like, I want, I want more. Like you only shared three of these. There's 70 of them or more, 70 of what I could find. You could probably find more. So I would just encourage you, maybe some of the, the good application for this year is just look at when Jesus said truly, truly. Like just, that's powerful. If Jesus said it more than once, and if he said it once, it's a big deal. If he said it more than once, I'm just like, I'm tapping in and I'm listening in. Like this is an important piece to apply. And so truly, truly. So what I do is I actually want to be able to look at some of these statements. There's three of them. The word truly, truly, when Jesus said that, it's, it's, the, it's basically Jesus saying something that is of this. It's saying amen. It's something you can be trusted. So truly, or amen, in, in the original language, is that you can, you can basically, this is Travis's statement, you can take it to the bank. This is a fact. This isn't, this isn't something that's true. This is 100% true. I'm telling you, amen and amen. Like, this is a fact. And so what we can see in God's word is that Jesus said, this. Why is this important? Is because Jesus is the very embodiment of truth. He is truth. This is absolute truth. And so when Jesus says something, it's not just because he felt like saying it. He knew that he had to say it. And this is a true statement that you could stand on then and you can stand on now. So it's a truth that continues. And so I think that's cool that Jesus said truly, truly a bunch of times just to make sure People like me, who are ADDDD, can actually know that this isn't just something that Jesus thought about saying. This is what Jesus intentionally said because he wanted to make sure that it was a rhythm that would be established in someone's life. All right, so what I want to do is look at, again, just a few truly statements in, in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, we are going to open up to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 10 this morning. And then if you are like me, you're like, if you're only going to say like one or two verses, where is the main passage? Because I want to take some time to get there. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 17 for the majority of our morning. But what I want to do is kind of like prime the pump a little bit, just kind of share a couple truly statements. And there's a reason why. I feel like a lot of times, even as a pastor, been a pastor for a full-time vocational pastor for over a decade, and I feel like sometimes I'll be in a room with other pastors, and they'll go straight into like the deepest, uh, like theological, hermeneutical passage of scripture. And I'm like, man, that is really deep. I'm gonna need to take a few days to just unpack what he's saying. So what I want to do is I want to prime the pump and give us a couple easy ones, like no brainers. Like you just read it, and you're like, oh, this is what Jesus is saying. Does that sound good to you guys? Is that fine? It's Monday morning, y'all. It's Monday morning. And so this is what we're gonna look at first. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew is in the New Testament. Just make sure if we're looking at the Bible, Matthew's in the New Testament. It's the very first book in the New Testament. So we're in chapter 6, verse 2. So here's just a couple, a couple uh, verbal highlighters that we, can, that we can kind of call to our attention. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. It's what Jesus says. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. 
That's not a good tub of towel. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. There it is. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So bottom line in this verse, don't, don't be so prideful and seek the attention of others to fuel you up. That's very, very clear, right? Don't be so prideful. Don't be trying to create a place where you are trying to gain more influence for yourself and seek the attention from others because that's what you live for. You're saying like, nah, that's not, that's not the best way. Truly, truly, it ain't the best way. There's a better way. That's one example. Next one. Check this out. Matthew chapter 10. So just kind of flip a couple pages over. Or if you're using a glowing Bible like me this morning, you can just kind of tap a few times over to get to chapter 10. Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 42. Here's another one. He's an easy one for us this morning. I love that Jesus is very clear, very concise, and very detailed. You can just pull it, pull it out. It doesn't, you don't have to take this verse and say, what does this mean to me? No, no, what does this verse mean? And what is God saying? Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. This is what it says. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple... There it is again. Truly, truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Bottom line here is don't be so consumed with yourself that you miss out on loving and caring for your own family, your friends, and people who need encouragement and hope. Some of us need to come out of our shell, Jesus is saying, because we have a story to tell. Some of us need to come out of our shell because we have a story to tell. Some of us need to stop focusing on us and me and mine, and start focusing on the kingdom. It's not me first, it's thee first. And I think that Jesus is just trying to call us into that. Like, stop being so focused on you. And isn't that timely in today's culture? Isn't it fascinating on social media? How many of y'all have social media? A few of you guys in the room? It's okay to, con- to co- confess that. I have social media as well. I feel like it's a daily conversation with my wife. I'm like, I spend too much time on social media. And now our iPhones tell us. It's sick how much time we spend on social. I'm just saying, it's, it's sick how much time I spend on social media. And what's fascinating on social media is that when you scroll, I, maybe I'm the only one here, but I realize that there's no ending. You just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. We could literally, if, if someone was even here and you had my social, you could just scroll until the end of camp and not be done scrolling. And the reality is that we have created a, a culture where it's so focused on me. On what I care about. We create echo chambers. I could talk about that for hours. But for the sake of time, we are a generation. We live in a generation. We are living in a culture that is really consumed with us. Right? It's consumed with us. And social media amplifies that. I don't think social media is bad. And there's a lot of things I think about social media. But I do think that social media, the very foundation, social media, it shows the best and it hides the rest. That's it. Shows the best. Like, the 1% of the best things that happened in my life, that's like what I'm going to put on social media, right? This morning, I woke up five times with my kids. I'm not going to put a post out at, at 4.30 in the morning of like my son snotting himself and crying and screaming in his pack and play. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show a picture of them playing on the playground eating ice cream, right? And so I think, I think for a fact that, that what Jesus said 2,000 years ago really holds true today. Like we should stop being so consumed with our lives. And I believe that what I want to do is spend the rest of our time this morning in Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. We're going to spend most of our time there this morning. I believe that Matthew 17 is a great, pas- a great passage 
on the consistency and character of God. I believe it to be true that Jesus is speaking about having faith in him. And so Matthew 17, we're going to be starting in verse 14. And, and we're going to see that in this passage of Scripture that a dad, any dads in the room? Raise your hand. Dads in the room. Dads in the room. What's up, dads? Man, I'm proud of you all for being here. It's, it's a significant investment into your life, but also into your family's life. Proud of you. Dads in the room, what's up? A dad brings his son to Jesus because there was no hope left in the dad. Dad brought the son to Jesus because the dad thought the son was super sick. Something was wrong with the son. The dad even brought the son, who we find out in this passage has way more problems than just some sickness or cold, to the disciples. And the disciples could not even help him or fix him. And so the dad, who was really at a hopeless state, brought him to Jesus. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 17. And in this passage, we're just going to kind of go verse by verse. And I might pause and just share a couple thoughts that I may have. I do want to pull four points out. So if you're, again, if you're taking notes, you're like, I want to write down some notes. I'll be sharing four principles, four, four, four points, four take-it-homes from Matthew 17 this morning. Simple. Most of these things, you're going to be like, I've already heard this a million times. So let's apply them. Let's, let's put these in on, on repeat in our lives. Are you all with me still? We good? Man, it's 9 a.m. Y'all are a good crowd. Let's go. Verse 14, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 17. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. I underlined this next, this, these next couple of words in, in the Bible. It says this. The dad said, Lord, have mercy on my son. I, I look at that verse. Just let me take a moment there. We're going we're gonna to unpack it more. But I look at that verse, and, and it was a, a moment this past week when I was even preparing for, for our time together this morning. And I, I asked myself the question, when was the last time as a dad I got down on my knees and asked God for mercy for my family? When was the last time I, I showed a posture of surrender, saying, God, I've seen it in Scripture. The people who are desperate, they get on their knees and they beg. They ask you for something. Have I ever been desperate? When was the last time this past month that I was desperate for God's voice in my life? Desperate for God's peace. When was that? Again, not saying that's something you have to do on repeat, but something that I've been processing through. Because look what we see. A dad gets on his knees and says, please have mercy on my son. He says this, back in the scripture. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. All the physical signs that the boy is sick. He often falls into the fire or into water. That's tragic. So it just went from a place of he probably needs some physical therapy and a little bit of extra help to this boy is jumping in the fire and in the water. There's something not right here. I brought him, look at this, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Look at verse 17. This is what he says to his disciples. I read this and I was like, what in the world? Jesus, that's strong. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Look at verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. And he was healed. When? The next day? At that moment. Hello. It's amazing. Look at verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private in private, and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? 
is one of these verses that kind of is perplexing at times. So it says in verse 20, he replied, because you have so little faith. We're going to look at that word, the original word, and what this word really, truly is trying to communicate to his disciples. He says this, here's the truly statement. You see it? Truly, truly. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Look at verse 15 again. Lord, have mercy on my son. The man and his son needed mercy from Jesus. I believe our church needs mercy from Jesus. I believe our families need mercy from Jesus. I believe our country needs mercy from Jesus. I believe I need mercy from Jesus. We need mercy from Jesus. That's the first point. If you're taking notes, again, I'm I'm very simple. If you're taking notes, point number one is we need mercy from Jesus. We need mercy from Jesus. I believe there's overwhelming hurt, there's brokenness in families, uh, there's worldly churches, and all of us are plagued with sin. We need mercy from Jesus, mercy from Jesus. Part of Jesus' merciful ministry to us is to show us that we are in need of correction, that we're in need of correction sometimes. Correction is a strong word, right? It's like, I don't know if I want to really go there, but correction. Jesus did this with his own disciples in this passage. Look at verse 17 again. Y'all look at verse 17. 17 and verse 19. 17 says this. When Jesus then replied and said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Look at verse 19. We're going to skip over 18. We'll come back there in a little bit. Don't worry. Verse 19 says this. Then disciples approached Jesus in private and said, "We we couldn't drive him out. Verse 20 says this. Because you have little faith. Jesus had some pretty piercing words to his disciples when he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Like, that's strong. Those are strong words. But I believe this, that we also need correction from Jesus. We need that. That's my second point. If you're taking notes again, write that down. We need correction from Jesus. We need correction from Jesus. Correction, you're like, what is that? Can you explain correction? Correction refers to the action or process of setting something right. Correction is the action or process of setting something right. I'm just going to be the first to admit there's a lot of things that I do in life that are not right. There's things that I do in my life that might be considered sinful. We, as believers, must recognize that we need correction from Jesus at times. I think that Jesus is pretty bold in this statement because he is God and he knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. Like, it, it, was, coming, it was coming to a close. He knew that. It was, and he wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty. He wanted to get down to the very, very foundation. He wanted to get down to the details to make sure that his disciples learned this very important point. And he's offering them this correction that will ultimately benefit them and all those who they will minister to. And I believe it benefits us as well. Jesus did, in fact, have mercy. Listen to verse 18 once again told you we'd go back there. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Jesus has mercy on us. Jesus shows mercy on us. Jesus is the ultimate healer. The man in the story knew that, which is why he asked Jesus to have mercy on his son. Third point that I would say, write down today. This is an important one. Again, really simple but very clear. We need healing from Jesus. We need healing from Jesus. 
Just like that, Jesus commanded a demon to leave the boy, and he was healed. Jesus is the ultimate healer. The boy needed healing. The boy's father needed healing. The disciples needed healing. And guess what? We need healing as well. What is the place in our lives that we need healing? Where is that? Is it from past pain? Is it from difficulty in, in present? Where do we need healing from Jesus, and have we asked for that? I spend a lot of time with, with, a, with a lot of people in ministry, and that's one of the first questions I ask. I sat down with someone who was, who was out of prison. True story. This is like three days ago. Was out of prison after 15 years and witnessed his wife overdosing and ran to our church, full sweat, full tattoos, face tattoos, neck tattoos, and he ran to church. And he walked to the door, and I was on my way out, and he's like, I just ran here. I said, great. Why did you run here? And he's like, I don't know, but I feel like this is a safe place that I can come. I just got out of prison after 15 years being a drug dealer. And, man, it's, it's been really hard. And I ran here because I'm terrified. I said, why are you terrified? He goes, my wife, she's overdosing on drugs. Okay, is she going to be okay? He's like, I don't know. I said, okay. I said, I, I, I said, there's a lot of questions I have right now. But can I just, can I just ask you, sir? So the, the question that people would ask you first is, are you on drugs, or are you, you know, did you give her the drugs? Can I ask you, sir, have, have, have you asked for healing from God and forgiveness from God? Have you repented of your sin? Like, are you broken? Are you here because you're afraid? Or are you here because you're broken that you need healing? And the man started crying. This is a, this is a gangster. And this dude, I was a little nervous. I'm a big dude. This guy, this guy was this guy was rough. And he started crying. He said, "I need mercy from God." I'm like, "Yes, you do." I says, "Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray, and then we're gonna go figure out if your wife's still alive, right?" Praise God, she was. The ambulance came and took her away. This guy, his name's Anthony. You guys be praying for him. Um, Anthony's Anthony's in a weird spot. It's because you can physically see that he's in a weird spot. For us as believers, we hide a lot. You can't really tell if we're in a weird spot because we do a good job of kind of making sure things look really good, right? Social media, show the best, hide the rest, right? And so Anthony was clearly in need of getting on his knees and begging God for mercy and healing because he didn't want to be an ag anymore and he wanted to make sure his wife was going to survive. He needed healing. This was a few days ago. When I was driving home, I'm like, when was the last, again, when was the last time I got on my knees and begged God for mercy? I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. And I confess that to God. Because there's a lot of days I just, I just, can I say this? I don't know if I need this. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Man, we have everything we need. We have so much. I have the privilege of being able to be in Cambodia and Indonesia. Our location in Indonesia is in Bogor, Indonesia. They had to change locations five times because the Islamic fundamentalists want to kill our pastor there. So we keep changing locations. And this man has so much joy. If I was in his spot, I would be freaking out all the time. Like, this is it. Like, am I looking behind? Like, is anybody coming? Just in case they do, we're going to sneak out that door. Let's cover that door. You're going to watch that. Like, I would always be concerned. But here, man, we're in a safe place. Do we actually need it? And so we need healing from Jesus. I'm back on track. I'm back. ADD moment. That's the only one you're going to get for today. Just like that, Jesus commanded him to lead the boy, and he was healed. We need healing from Jesus. Look at verse 20. Again with me, this is a very important, truly statement from Jesus. This is what he said. Put a little star by this. I think this is powerful. He said this, because you have so little faith, 
Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Fourth point that I would say right down is this, that we need faith in Jesus. We need faith in Jesus. You say, well, I have faith in Jesus. That's great. We need to continue to have more faith in Jesus. We need more faith. That's one of the reasons why you're at family camp. You could be at the Marriott in Clearwater Beach down the road from my house, but you're choosing to be here. It's because you recognize that this is a special place, that you are going to have fun. It's a safe place that you'll be fueled up. And it's a place that's going to do what? It's going to increase your faith. It's kind of like a, a spot you can come and, and have a personal revival in your heart if you so wish. And so we're here because we want that. We want more hope, right? We need that. And so we need faith in Jesus. The word faith here in Greek, and some of you are theologians in the room, so I think this is a, a, great, a great conversation we could have later. It's just, I'm, I'm swatting, not because I've got something to say that's just, just flat, right? So I'm just trying to make sure. It's like, what is he doing? Is he like waffling? Like, is this, you know, I'm not, okay, I'm, I'm just, I have to say that. It's because I would be wondering if one of you were speaking here and, there's, and you, oh, the speaker's going like this the whole time. Just keep the flies off my face. Hello. Okay. The word faith in Greek is the word pistis. Pistis. Pistis actually translates to the word belief or trust. So when you read it with the word trust or belief, I think it helps us to see a bigger picture of what Jesus is trying to, to point out. I think that he was saying in this, you, I, I'm losing my trust in you. Like, hello, come on, I'm, I'm losing, like, I'm literally losing my trust. I, I've, I've said that to my daughter Harper at times, seven-year-old. I'm like, Harper, I'm literally losing trust in you. Like, I've told you to do something a few times now, and I've looked you in the eyes and told you, and yet you still don't do it. Am I missing something? I mean, this was literally this morning. I remember our conversation. It's like, Harper, don't wake up your little brother. How many times have I told you? Don't, just because you're awake doesn't mean you have to wake up little brother. Like, it's just you don't have to wake him up. How many times have I told you? Harper, I said this morning to her, Harper, I'm losing trust in you that you're not going to do what I am telling you to do. And so I think that Jesus is really trying to point this out, that the disciples doing they were, they were trying to do the process that Jesus did. He saw. They all saw what Jesus would do. And this is, again, this is later in Jesus' ministry. They saw it all. The disciples literally saw amazing, crazy, wild miracles. And they were just trying to follow through with the process. Oh, another demon-possessed kid, another demon-possessed person. This is what we're going to do. We saw Jesus do it. Let's do it. They were, they were just speaking into the process. When Jesus said the process is important, but without the power, it's pointless. If you're taking notes right this morning, maybe write that down. That's helpful. That process without the power is pointless. I meet a lot of people at church. Our church, as you heard a few minutes ago, when I, when I shared, it seats 3,000 people on a Sunday morning. It's a lot of people in a small town. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, process. Thank you for saying that. This is helpful. I do speak quick sometimes. Process without the power is pointless. You most definitely can't. Yes. Without the power is pointless. And the reason we can see this man, and I want to explain this, this point before we, before we even go into some details, is that the disciples, when we look at what they did, when they were following Jesus, when Jesus corrected them, it's because they were just trying to do what Jesus did without actually accessing the power of Jesus at that moment. And we see here that he is saying, where is your trust 
in the power. He says that they could do what they could do with a small amount of real powerful faith, trust. Look at verse 20 again. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and I've got my mustard seed right here, but I want to explain to you as well. You can say this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing is impossible for you. Let me just explain this real quick, and then I, I'd love to, if you have a question, I'd love to speak into this. But I think it's fascinating that Jesus, Jesus used that you can, most of you probably can't even see this mustard seed. But it is so, 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 so small. I did some research on the mustard seed. I've been over to the Middle East, and I've seen some of these mustard, as they would say, mustard bushes. I think they're trees. But it's fascinating that it's a powerful illustration that Jesus helps us to see that a mustard seed is about one or two millimeters in size. It's so itty-bitty. Yet the bush can grow, and you guys probably know this, up to 20 feet or 30 feet tall and wide. It grows fast. It grows powerful. I've even seen a mustard seed bush, tree, whatever you want to call it, break through cement and come through cement, like grow through cement. It can, it can live in crazy desert climates. Wild. So Jesus said, man, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, disciples got that. Because they're like, listen, mustard seeds, they're itty bitty bitty, but it's real. It's powerful. And when planted, man, it can actually grow into something really, really, really special. I believe the Lord is painting for his disciples was one of hope. That our faith doesn't need to be outwardly large to have a large impact. It has to be real. It has to be powerful. It has to be real. It has to be powerful. It doesn't have to be a show. It doesn't have to be the process. I go to church every single week, and I'm in every single small group. I think it's all great, but if you came home, my life would be miserable. That's what I hear from people at my church. Like, hey, and that's, that hurts my heart. It grieves me because they're following the process. Like, yeah, I got the process locked down for every single week. I remember this past Sunday. I saw a guy come in, and I was like, man, you're frustrated. Why are you frustrated? He goes, man, we had this crazy argument in the car, and my kids were crying. My wife was yelling. It was a mess. I'm like, man, your wife and kids are smiling right now. He's like, yeah, we're just putting that show on. Wow. Okay. And we do that. I do that. Hello, I do that. Process. Without the power, it's pointless. That's what Jesus was trying to say. That's what Jesus was trying to show. Because the disciples couldn't heal the boy. Because they were following the process, but they weren't tapping into the power of Jesus. But it's powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. I believe this is very important. That if Jesus, it is Jesus who holds all power and wants us to access it. But trusting him and having faith, not in the process of Jesus, but in the power of Jesus. I've got some questions, but I'm, I'm going to pause there for a moment and see if anybody does have questions. I know, ma'am, you have a question. And then I do have a couple questions for us to just kind of reflect on. Just a few questions. Yes, ma'am. Praise God. That's amazing. That's amazing. Praise God. Well, let me just say, you're in a safe place here. We're so glad that you're here. And the best part is that you can ask me, but I actually might even, like, maybe some of our friends here might even answer it better because they've been saved longer than me. And so, we'll, we'll, let's see, what question do you have? Yes. Yes. That is such a great, I think that because life is so easy and so great, 
and we as humans think we can do it all by ourselves, right? Especially in today's world, we can do it all by ourselves. If my daughter is sick, if my kid is disobedient, if I'm having financial issues, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm either going to call a provider, someone's going to fix the kid. I'm going to call a counselor, someone's going to help solve my problems. I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to try to find a side hustle. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to call you. I'm going to call. We're going to figure I'm going to figure out myself. And what we see in this passage is that this man, he probably tried that. He probably tried doing himself. He realized like, nah, I can't. I need the power of Jesus. And the posture is what matters. So that's the key piece. It's, it's a posture thing. Less of a position thing. So for me, it's just the posture of getting on my knees. Like if I got on my knees right now, it's like this. You either think that I'm proposing to you or you think that I'm asking a serious question. If I, if I laid flat on the ground, somebody would be like, this man's sick. Call the doctor, right? Posture, I believe, when we see in Jesus' time and ministry on earth, when people came, and we're going to look at this for the next five days, me fasting, even with the woman who was bleeding and, 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 the, and the little boy, who died, which, you know, you, some of you are familiar with their story. We're going to look at this towards the end of the week. The posture of what these people came to Jesus, pretty powerful, powerful. And I think Jesus responded in, a, in, in that moment because he recognized that the heart was ready. So does that answer your question a little bit? Sort of, kind of? that such a great question yes so the question and what i'll do is i'm actually going to use the microphone just to be able to pass it through but that's a great question the question is should we be asking mercy from jesus and and forgiveness from jesus specifically mercy and, and help from jesus more than just when things are bad like should we be going to jesus daily with the posture of saying today is a day that I'm going to choose to serve you. I'm going to need your mercy and your forgiveness today because I'm a human and I'd rather just serve myself. That's basically what she's asking. So the answer is this, yes, yes. And so for you, man, what's your name? Don, nice to meet you, Don. Don and other Dons in the room, it's a great question. That's great. That's great, Don. I love that. The, the key is this, that I believe a vibrant walk with Jesus is one where we're submitting to Jesus. Does anybody else want to help speak into Don's question? Yes, ma'am. Here. I'm going to pass the microphone around. Just I would say if you could just make sure we respect the microphones. Because I've made mistakes before. I've passed microphones, and there were some interesting things. So just make sure. Interesting things. <laughs> interesting things. Okay, so I'm just going to say, I'm gonna just please respect the microphone. Please keep it clear. Yeah, um, I what I found in prayer is the most important thing is the presence of God. Because when you come into prayer, you're coming into the presence of God. So in his holy presence, we surrender ourselves. And in that surrender, you know, we're, we're listening for him. We're listening for the Holy Spirit to guide us in prayer. 
So I think that prayer, um, you know, lots of times it can become a rule. Like, oh, I have to pray for this, and I have to pray for that. And if I don't, you know, then I'm missing something. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to pray. He will tell you if there's something in your family that you need to ask him to for, or you need to ask for his grace or his healing. Um, <coughs> I think the key is what Travis said, surrendering, coming into his presence. And then just listening and following his lead in what you need to pray. So great. One of the things I also want to share, too, just to help even illustrate this, and it just came to me just looking, is that maybe theologians in the room, we can maybe debate this, but I think this is a very clear fact that in Jesus' ministry, Jesus never ran anywhere. He was never in a hurry or a rush anywhere. He walked everywhere. He walked with purpose. He walked with conviction. He walked with opportunity. And I think he's also calling us to do that. He did that on repeat. That could be a whole other message for a whole other day, but for the sake of our time. Jesus walks. How is your walk? How is your walk? I think that we as, <laughs> we, we as people in the room, man, we, we walk with a hurry these days. And I think Jesus is saying, don't miss. Don't miss opportunities. So our posture helps with our walk. I think about that. My dad is a little bit older, and the doctors say to him, make sure you look forward, and it's heel to toe, heel to toe, heel to toe. My son, he's just beginning to walk. He's got to make sure that he's got to be able to hold on to things. He's brand new. He's brand new walking. So he has to hold on to people that can help him walk. Jesus walked. It's a key piece. Learning. But you're here, and that is so encouraging. You could be at the Marriott in Clearwater Beach down the road from our old house. You could be living on a jet ski right now, but you're here because you want to be spiritually fed and encouraged. I love that. I saw, I saw your hand, sir. Just one of the Beatitudes uh, came to mind. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And uh, pleading God's mercy over our life, our loved ones, we're merciful. And that's an uh, admonition of the Lord that uh, we should be merciful also. I love that. So strong, so powerful. What I want to do is I, I want to just close out our time and just I want to just have a couple questions for reflection. These aren't questions you, that you would want to answer out loud. It's more of like just introspective questions. Um, this isn't a, qu a posture you're like, I'm just going to pray. No, just, I just want you to listen. Just process through. Kind of the speaker did last night. If you were here last night, the speaker said, Here's, there's one over here that's, if, if you don't have a relation with God, meet me here. If you want to learn more, here. Like, just fact. Here are two questions that I want to ask just as, as a way for you to process through today. Number one is this. What seems impossible to accomplish? A mountain of a problem so impossible in your life that you haven't even asked God for it yet. Is there a relationship? Is there an ailment? Is there, is there fear, anxiety? What is, what is in your life? Or maybe you, you can say, praise God, there's nothing right now. But is there something in your life that you see as a mountain too high that you haven't even asked God for? You haven't asked God for it. Second question is this. Is there some broken place that you can't imagine ever being healed? A wound so deep that you spend your life always trying to cope with it or just 
trying to keep it covered? If you're taking notes this morning, I've got a few verses. We don't have time to go into them this morning, but a few verses that talk about the principle that nothing is impossible for God. I could spend a long time teaching this, but I will say is this, that I'm not trying to tell you this morning that God will heal all of your, your problems, all of your sickness, all of the things that God can. And so we need to have the posture of knowing that nothing is impossible. Just a few verses. If you're taking notes, write these down. Numbers chapter 11, verse 23. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. These are just principles that tell of the mighty lengths of God's power. Your problem does not outstrip God's reach. It doesn't. That's why I have one of these. I've ordered a few of them. Wasn't sure how many people would be here this morning. But I ordered a few of these for, for, for some of you that just need this reminder. I do. I'm a visual learner. Any visual learners in the room? A visual learner. I have this in my Jeep. And it's a little mustard seed. And when I start feeling anxious or stressed or there's a mountain of a problem that's coming my way or I just got an argument with my wife and we've prayed and we found forgiveness, but like I'm still feeling it. I have one of these in my Jeep and it's a reminder. I hold up. I'm like, okay. I need faith as small as a mustard seed. Something that's real, something that's, that's powerful. It doesn't have to be big. just has to be real. has to be powerful. And I need to lean into the fact that Jesus wants me to have that kind of faith. And so I will, again, application. I hold on to one of these little mustard seeds. I put it in my hand when I'm driving. I'm like, Lord, you know I'm stressed right now. Lord, you know that I'm about to walk into this situation. And God, I just need real, powerful faith from you. Just like you talked about in your word, that all I need is faith as small as a mustard seed. And so, God, I'm giving you that mustard seed today. I just need my thought. It's an application. I have some of these for, for y'all as well. If you need that reminder, if you're here this morning, you're like, I need that reminder. I've got, I got a bunch of these up here for y'all. Today, as we navigate through our Monday, it's going to be a victory Monday. Not a moan day, but a victory Monday. Because we know what God has done for us. God has showed us over 70 times with his words. Jesus said it, truly, truly. Things that we can take to the bank. Things that we can apply to our lives. Things that we can see and know are from the Lord. We'll read the one last verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's a verse that some of you probably have memorized. I got some friends. I, I was at a barber uh, a couple days ago. Thanks. I like my haircut. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But I, have a, I, I was at a barber. He had Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tattooed on his head. I'm like, I asked him, like, how painful was that? <laughs> and he's like, it was painful. I'm like, man, I'm actually talking. I'm going to be sharing that verse at the end. And I was like, wow, this is something else. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's a long. It's a lot. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no, no man can boast. I just want to just close with this. We talked about the Bible is God's truth. When we're walking out today, we're walking around today, what is the greatest truth? Write this down. What is the greatest truth, the biggest truth, you need to hear and apply today? What is the biggest, greatest truth you need to apply today from God's truth? And let me just say this one more thing. I only said one question. There's a second one. It just came to me right now. What is the greatest lie that you're believing today? What is that thing that's going to maybe make your Monday a moan day? What is that lie that you are believing you just need to cast away? 
Can I confess mine to you this morning? Just it came to me. I often think I can do it all by myself. That's the lie. Waking up, I don't need to pray before I speak. I did. I don't need to pray and read God's word. I can, I can figure it out myself. That's a lie. It's a lie straight from the devil. Because we need God's power. We need God's presence in our lives. So what's the biggest truth you need to hold on to today? Talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about the people who are camping next to you. It's the biggest, what is the biggest truth you need to hold on today in God's word? And then what is the greatest lie that we might be leaving today? We just need to cast off. Just, just get out of our heads. This is not true. It's only going to weigh us down. What is that lie? Hey, can I pray for us? And then from there, we're going to finish up our time. I'm giving you guys a few minutes to hang out, to walk around. Or if you have questions, I have an extra microphone. You can ask questions and stick around right until 1015. But hey, let's pray together. Jesus, we want to just say thank you. Thank you for not just telling us, but showing us what we need to do. Lord, thank you, God, that you've showed us what it means to follow you, not outwardly with, the, with all of the things that we could do, but inwardly with just having faith in you. God, I thank you for the people in the room this, this morning who made the choice to be here at this camp this year. God, I pray that this year, 2022, will be the year for them to unlock more faith, a deeper relationship with you, and a commitment to serve you over everything else. Thank you, God, that we can see all through your word things that you did and said on repeat. Even a simple practical reminder today, God, that you walked everywhere. You walked with purpose. You walked intention. At times you walked slowly. You didn't miss things. God, I confess that I walk way too fast, and at times I feel like I'm running because I'm so busy. God, I pray that this will be a week we can slow down and we can walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here today, and I hope you have a wonderful Monday. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here, 9 o'clock, for Henri number 2. I do have a few mustard seeds up here, so if you would like one, I will put them right here. You can come up and snag one as a reminder of the faith that we need.